Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital? Or maybe you just lost it. Well, Stubforge.com is here to change that. Imagine this, tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal. Because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands. But Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy-to-use interactive designer, you can create custom tickets for anything from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, Stubforge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With Stubforge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift, or send the coolest invites, head over to stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Live on Fireside. Hello and welcome to Guilty Greenie, live on Fireside from the Climate Collab Auditorium. We are your imperfect hosts. I'm Kate Bagby. And I'm Sarah Ferris. And I started this first season of Guilty Greeny with a carbon footprint that would probably make Bigfoot feel inadequate. But with Kate's expertise, it is heading towards a size behooving someone five foot three in stature. So join us as we navigate our way through the real world whilst trying to stay consciously green. We're always learning something new on Guilty Greeny, including now Sarah's height. <laughs> Did you think I was really tall? I did, actually. I thought you were like 5'8". I don't know why. Did you really? I bet you are projecting, because I think you're 5'8". No, I'm 5'5". Five five. Oh, okay. That's funny. Bunch of average women in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> below average, to be fair, but uh, I'll take average when it comes to height. Join Sarah and I as we share our own journeys, the good, the bad, and the laughable. And today, we are talking about our top five swaps. Essentially, I will be testing Sarah throughout our final episode of season one to see if she actually picked up anything and what has stuck with her. Oh, I didn't know that you were going to be quizzing me because that's stressful. As I say that, I'm, I'm thinking... Oh, I didn't create any questions, so this is going to be the easiest and worst test ever. Thank God, I <laughs> snatched from the jewels of defeat for me. Right on the brink, pulled you back. <laughs> this is the end of season one. We're on episode 10, and we've covered quite a bit. We've covered everything from our favorite topic, laundry. <laughs> Relentlessly. I know. I'm telling you, season two, we're going to have bingo cards. So mm. we can have one listener win. I don't even know what they're going to win. Well, some laundry strips would be the obvious prize there. A little on the nose, mm. but I do like it. I was so thinking of other bingo things that could go on the card. And as we're recording this, episode seven has just been released, which is about dying to be green. And there's a really bad line in there about Auntie Mary floating back up on the beach after she's dead. So maybe we could put Auntie Mary as a bingo card and see how many times I can bring that into series two. I want Auntie Mary. And I also want, you have a saying, which I love and I've never heard it before, which is bish, bosh, bash. What? You've you, never heard Bish Bosh Bash? You've said it several times, and I want that on the bingo card. I want – how many times is Sarah going to say Bish Bosh Bash? Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that was a thing that you didn't know. Okay, great. Anyway, we digress. Yeah. Let's dive straight in to some of the swaps that have become permanent in my household since we've done the series. When I started off, I had a ways to go, wouldn't you say? 
<laughs> you were starting out like I started out, just there was about a decade's worth of difference. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I started from nowhere. I didn't know where to begin. And uh, yeah, so you started where everyone else has started. I think that's ironic because I'm probably 10 years older than you as well. And so I'm really 20 years behind you, if you would look at it that way. (laughs) It's not a math show and we don't keep score. Every time I bring out the numbers. (laughs) (laughs) So the first one that I think has been probably top of my list of changes that is going to stay. And I have to say, it's the one that I was most resistant to Mm. is composting. Yeah, I'm surprised that was the one you were least looking forward to. I thought for sure it would be the no streaming of podcasts or music. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's not messy though, right? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I would have challenged me without a little bin juice. (laughs) that's going on the bingo card. That's what really puts me off. And I still am um, really annoyed at the bin juice situation, but I have to say it won't go away because the stats that you told me about when we were doing the episode on composting and and why we had to do it, I mean, I couldn't tell you for love nor money what they are now, but (laughs) you can. Yeah. If food waste were a country in terms of carbon emissions, it would be the third largest carbon emitter after the United States and China. Yeah. And that was enough for me. I'm not going backwards on that. That's something I can change. I've been getting to it before the compostable bin liner decomposes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now, are your husband and Josh getting better about putting it in? Because I know that was a little source of tension. Yeah, it's still a source of tension. I'm not going to lie. Um, we have lots of items in our house that are just millimeters away from the bin, millimeters from the, the compost bin. But, you know, 21 days to change a habit, I'm just going to keep plugging away at them. Mm. And every banana skin that is saved in the making of that compost is a win in my house. Do you know, I've seen some people make banana skin bacon, and there's a candied banana skin. Why? So apparently the banana skin itself is very high in some type of vitamin, and I couldn't tell you which one, but that was one of the challenges. Make a zero-food-waste dinner. (laughs) Mm. And there's been a lot of content that's coming out to show people how to use the different things that we would typically just throw out. Hey, I think we should start a TikTok channel and try all of those things on it. We should actually video ourselves making banana skin bacon and see what it looks like. I've got no idea what that is. No. Zero waste tax. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's one that is staying with me. Number two is something that everybody can do, and it is just something that's now hardwired into me. Every time I go to buy something, Mm -hmm. I do two things. First, I ask myself, do I need that? And secondly, if I do need it, I will put the word into the search bar, sustainable before whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I didn't know how many random items just by putting that word in have sprung up for me on the in- interweb. <laughs> so there's been a couple of wins and a couple of losses. Over the, the period of the season, I have had eco badges made. Uh, the disintegrating eco badges. <laughs> that to would be fair, that, be... wasn't the, that wasn't the badge's fault. Sarah just threw it in the laundry. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. User error. And number two is eco pens. Did you know these existed? Yeah, we talked about it last episode, maybe, yeah. because the question I had for you was, did they come with any instructions as to how to discard the oh. ink well in the middle of it? No. It did not. It was all cardboard around the outside and the inkwell. Yeah, that's the guilty bit, I guess. Uh, I'll have to step it up. No, but it's cutting down on excessive plastic. Yeah, true. I mean, what's my other option? I start using my own blood to write with? I'm not sure. I don't know if you've heard of this. I'm scared where this is going. There's called a pencil. Oh, something really awful like people are using their saliva and coloring it with natural dye and dipping it into an inkwell there's a funny story and i don't know if it's true at all but how the story goes is that nasa spent millions of dollars trying to come up with a pen that would work in zero gravity 
and the Russians brought out a pencil. <laughs> and I don't know if that story is true at all. That's it's hilarious if it yeah, is. One of the better ones. Oh my they, God. They have pencils now too, where once it gets down to the very bottom, like the eraser nub kind of bit, once you use it all up, you can plant them on the pencil itself. It will say like parsley or cilantro and it has the seeds in it. And then you can just stick it in your gardening pot. That is so cool. I love that idea. The other thing that I've adopted, and I don't think I've told you about this before, is I've bought whiteboards. The whiteboard has cut down all the paper waste in my office. I love it. Oh. Revolutionized my life. See, I have a guilty habit of I have a whiteboard where I put all my projects on, but I have a very bad habit of using post-it notes on the whiteboard. (laughs) Writing on the whiteboard, I put my post-it notes and kind of move them around and then, you know, write on it as well. But Mm. I'm a post-it note queen. I wouldn't function without them. I do love a post-it note. I'm sure you can probably get eco ones as well. I love that your terminology and your familiarity with these terms is growing. (laughs) Everyone starts from somewhere. I started from knowing nothing, just a curiosity and and went from there and same for you. And that is such a good first step is just to familiarize yourself with the different words out there. Sustainable, eco, ethical, compostable, biodegradable, so on and so forth. I would say be careful of greenwashing. Mm Mm-hmm. Because companies are getting wise to the fact that consumers want more eco-friendly products, not just the products, but they want the product to do as little damage or have as little a footprint as possible. And there's two sides of that, right? One is cutting consumption. The other side is making sure manufacturing is a nice closed loop system and everything works together. For anybody who's not familiar with greenwashing, the ethical consumer describes it as the practice of companies launching adverts, campaigns, products, or whatever else they're selling under the pretense of being beneficial to the environment, but that often contradicts their practices. To give that some context, Mm. you're familiar with H&M, right? The clothing brand? Yes. Yeah. So H&M was at one point one of the largest fast fashion retailers. I think now they've been overtaken by Shein, I think. If you go to H&M's website, there are sustainability pledges up and down, how they use organic cotton and these recycled materials. And it sounds really, really good. But if you look at their business model, it is built on pushing massive volume at lower cost. So if Mm -hmm. you're always pushing out a lot of volume, it doesn't matter what textiles you're actually using, your business model is built on excess. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. A couple of years ago, as part of their, I'm just going to call it greenwashing campaign, and I don't know if this is still going on or they're still doing it, once or a few times a year, you could bring in your old clothing that you wanted to recycle. And they would give you a coupon to then spend in their stores. So instead of just recycling, you were encouraged to buy more. That's greenwashing in a nutshell. They're a prime example of it. So be a little cautious of that. There is an app called Good On You. It's a website and it's an app. And specifically when it comes to clothing, you can get their sustainability ranking. So how do they fare in human rights? How do they fare in environmental, uh, water preservation, things like that? That is such a great tip. Time is precious. And when I'm going in to buy something, I don't have the time necessarily to know. So to be able to have a resource to go to, that'll be a game changer for me because I am the perfect person to be greenwashed. That's what these companies are banking on. They're banking on the fact people are time poor and financially stressed. Who has Mm. the time to sit there and say, okay, I need to buy a new couch. Let me spend the next 50 hours going down a (laughs) rabbit hole. Exactly. You know, of a couch. There are good resources out there. Good on you is a good one. Ethical consumer is another one. They'll help start to point you in the right direction. Companies bank on the fact that you don't have time to do everything. Yeah, I think we should put those resources up on the Instagram at Guilty Greenie because they are really helpful. And if I forget, then I know where to look. 
My next swap that I will carry on and was like a light bulb moment for me during the series was my online carbon footprint. I was completely unaware that there was servers that were sucking up electricity and the rest of it and storing my emails that I hadn't cleared out for 20 odd years. That was a massive wake up moment for me. And I'm still going through the process of wiping it, deleting and unsubscribing. I'm making sure now as well that I'm not signing up to things that I then need to unsubscribe to. Data centers create about 2% of the world's greenhouse gases through energy usage. That's about the same as the airline industry. Now, that's not to say your email is creating 2% of the global greenhouse gases. That's talking about data centers on a whole. And to your point, it's where your emails are stored or things like your Google Mm. drive or whatever you use for storage of online data. Every little bit helps. The thing that I find really hard about that challenge is you said to me that you only have around 32 emails in your inbox at once. I find it really difficult to delete things because I can just go back through my email and find that I might need that one day. Do you then save it onto your computer or how do you push that delete confidently? So I try to keep my inbox no more than 30 emails because it gets cluttered to me. That being said, though, I have different folders within my email, such as receipts. A lot of Mm -hmm. times the receipts, I will uh, screenshot and put them in a folder on my computer. But important messages that go back and forth, for instance, Guilty Greenie has its own folder. So any documentation Mm -hmm. I need to keep a hold of or ongoing conversations, it gets parked there. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I only have 30 emails total. Well, I feel like you've misrepresented that challenge to me, Kate. Hey, you take it however you want. And if you can take it further than me, you have become the Jedi master. Ah, It's never going to happen. I'm already about 100,000 emails to go before I get clear. So uh, you're on a better footing than me. (laughs) Should we move on to number four? Our favorite. I can't do a list of swaps that have become permanent without saying this one. And I'm only going to brush over it quickly, but bingo, laundry strips. My favorite thing that I've ever swapped out. Which brand did you land on? Oh, do you know what? I can't remember the name of it, but it's from my local refill larder. And its smell is delicious. And it's actually got a different texture to some of the other ones that I've used. It's a little bit more fleecy, like fluffy when you put it in and it dissolves really well. If you get nothing else out of the Guilty Greenie, get a laundry strip. Get a laundry strip and a dryer ball and you're good to go. I pulled my dryer ball out of retirement. He's in there doing his job. The kids are like, what is that? And every now and then they keep taking it out. Then one of the animals, the dog will look at it, the cat will take it, and they all go, oh, that's the cat toy. And I'll find it in the most random places around the house because they've picked it up and put it somewhere to play with an animal. probably with your other sneaker. Did you ever find that? (laughs) I did find my other sneaker. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that made the cut in the last episode when we were Mm. editing it, but if it didn't, This is how the whole searching out sustainable terms came up because you were saying a sneaker went missing Mm -hmm. and you were looking to buy new ones and put the word sustainable. Yeah. I needed my footprint to be more or less carbon footprint, I guess you could say. (laughs) And that's why I found the um, sneakers that I'm currently wearing. I don't know if I've been greenwashed on those or not yet. I might have to ask you about that afterwards. Well, speaking of footwear... I think that brings us to your last kind of lesson and back to jandals, which is about packing (laughs) while you're traveling. (laughs) Nice segue. I was wondering how you were going to get from my sneakers to traveling. The jandal was the connector. You did force me to pick only five of my top swaps. A lot of other things have gone into it, but I would have to say, yeah, travel was one of the ones that I was most interested to explore with you because Mm -hmm. as we started that episode, I was feeling very guilty because it's something that I will probably never be able to give up. Mm -hmm. One, because I live far away from my family and two, because I'm a selfish traveling cow. Um, (laughs) But your challenge that you gave me, which was a game changer and has stuck with me, is that I had to travel with carry-on luggage only. Right, because fuel is calculated on the weight of the plane. And obviously, the more fuel, the more expenditure, the higher the emissions for that plane. Mm. 
So you should travel as late as possible. And the other thing that I picked up from the travel episode that has stuck with me is to do as few stops as you can because the takeoff and landings are where a lot more carbon is uh, Mm -hmm. expelled into the universe. (laughs) So I've recently booked a flight, a long haul flight to your neck of the woods, America. (laughs) I thought you were going to break out into a musical for a second. (laughs) I was. I was going to do the America. You know the one? No, sing a little bit more for me. I, I can't because it's a rude words. What's the show? It's like a comedy with puppets in it. Anyway. Oh, are you thinking Team America? <laughs> yeah, Team, Team America, America, World Police. Yeah. How do we get onto that? Oh, um, because I said I was taking a trip to America and my takeaway from the thing was that I Googled the most sustainable routes and I booked a flight that had the least stops possible and I will be trying to travel as light as possible. And the other knock-on effect, I mentioned it on that episode, which was great, was when I come back from a trip now, I've got less washing. Yes. I hate, and I hate washing. Especially the week I had you hang up your clothes to dry. Oh, I don't know if I hated the washing then or you. One of the two. <laughs> I know which one the kids didn't like. <laughs> True. Let's just say I'm not sure I'll ever be welcomed in Sarah's home. They might be ready with pitchforks. <laughs> if you're loving all this free content and thinking, how can I support the podcast? Well, one way is to support our sponsors like this one. I don't know about you, but I love smoothies, but I don't love smoothie bar prices. Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or my favorite, even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. The battery lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cable. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. It has over 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from, which makes them an awesome present. Go to blendjet2.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promo code FERRIS12 to get 12% off and free two-day shipping. That's FERRIS, as in my last name, F for frog, E-R-R-I-S for sugar, 12. Whatever way you remember it, Ferris 12 into the website. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Plus, as a bonus, it's a great way to support the podcast. And if you can't remember Ferris 12, go to the show notes and click the link. Well, so that's my top five. What would you say was a swap that didn't stick with you? Probably the streaming. Yeah. The streaming was a one-hit wonder, feel no guilt, <laughs> going back to my old ways. It's probably a step too far for me right now. Ten years' time, I might be taking up knitting and singing, but I'm not there yet. Aren't you working on your shroud? I, I am <laughs> embroidering my mushroom-shaped shroud. <laughs> I like how you say maybe in ten years. Uh, it's been almost ten years for me, and I'm still not not streaming, so... Mm, you're probably getting worse rather than better, I imagine. Actually, yes. Mm, that, that's yeah. 100% true. I have gotten worse, but I'm going to blame that on technology and the fact that when you work from home, you don't really have much of an option. And also, we've had COVID, so we've all been locked in. Yeah, more we've time. had Tiger King month, Bridgerton month, Squid Game month. Squid Game month. What a month that was. I want to relive that month. We talked about this before the show, which was we've gone from COVID TV month mm. to now COVID game month. So now we've like Wordle. And yes. We've evolved. We've gotten so tired of streaming collectively. We've mm. said, give us an English lesson. <laughs> it's a weird thing, Wordle, as well, because it's a little bit like Squid Games. Squid Games. No one dies playing Wordle. <laughs> I don't know what kind of high stakes wordle you're playing in your house, but in mine, there's no fear of losing a life. It's a very high stake game. No, what I meant was <laughs> when people started watching Squid Game and they would explain it to you and you hadn't watched it, you'd be like, I'm not invested. This sounds ridiculous. Yeah. So when people have started posting on Facebook and Instagram or whatever they're doing, their wordle scores means nothing to me. Now I'm loving it. We are going all over the shop today. This it. is a good precursor, I think, to a little bit of what season two is going to be more 
more of. Because while facts and figures are important, at the end of the day, as Sarah has demonstrated to us, you're not going to remember them. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to remember the sentiment. (laughs) That's right. Nobody remembers a number. I certainly don't. Or I remember things like something that's a comparable, like it's the equivalent of driving a car to Saturn. I remember that one. I can't that remember what it was from for. the streaming. The, right, um, exactly. TV. It was uh, a Netflix study yeah. from 2019. That's going to be your challenge going forward. Every time you want to give a figure, you have to give in. It's the equivalent of, and it has to be something super ridiculous and more ridiculous each time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can try to work on that. <laughs> we just turned into an English lesson as well. God, we need to stop ourselves. All right. Well, I like those swaps a lot. I think they were good. I think really showed the versatility of what is feasible and how Mm. easy it can be. And it's interesting to see what stuck with you and and what didn't. Any surprised you that I stuck with? The composting, to be quite honest. Mm. I I was quite vocal about my refusal. Yeah. And one of the episodes you even said I had tried composting and then stopped doing it because I hated it. I'm, I'm glad it stuck. Let's move on to our highs and lows of the week. Yeah. Okay. Give me your high and give me your low. My high point was we've been rejigging the house because we've had our eldest daughter move out. And as part of that process, it was having a massive spring clean and moving items around. And in the process, I found two items that I thought, right, what am I going to do with these? And I put them both on the street WhatsApp. And Mm. lo and behold, bish, bosh, bash, ding dong, and they are gone. So one of the items was a desk, which makes sense that that was recycled. But the one that I was most proud of getting rid of was ink cartridges, specific to a model of a printer. And I managed to find somebody on the street that had the same printer model. When you change printers, you're often left with them. What what are you supposed to do with them? So I was really proud that somebody managed to come and sweep those up. That's awesome. I like that. We have that in our town as well. We have something called the Reduce, Reuse, Recycle group. And Mm. it's a swap group. You can post anything you want on there. Mm -hmm. I think that's wonderful. It is. We didn't have it before COVID and it has just been the best thing. We've recycled so much stuff. I think we're almost like a closed loop on the street. I'm not joking. <laughs> no, I am joking. We're way All far right, so from that. So season two, start a community garden. That did kind of happen though over lockdown because we all had greenhouses and we would share the seedlings between everyone and then I would kill them. <laughs> closed loop for some of the neighbors. <laughs> it was a death loop for mine. Oh, I like that as a high though. So then what was the low? The low this week, I think it was a consciousness that we changed the carpet in our house and I thought, have I really worn that to death? Mm. Because that's going into landfill. And then I remembered that we bought our house, I think, 10 years ago and it needed to be changed 10 years ago. So (laughs) I felt kind of okay that maybe we'd given it a good bish, bosh, bash. That was probably my low. I know that you say it's a low. I get it. And- I think the reason you're saying it's a low is because you're starting to have these conversations with yourself. And my guess is they're probably a little bit uncomfortable because you're not Mm. really sure which way to think about things and you kind of internalize Mm -hmm. that guilt. Yeah, I do. And I think it's a good thing, obviously, that I'm having those conversations with myself, but (laughs) I can't put the genie back in the bottle Right, once you know. It's good for that reason. It makes you start to question, do you really need things? It Mm. makes you start to question the systems, how we consume things. And that's a brilliant thing. Where it can get dangerous is when you internalize that guilt and take it on as if you and you alone can solve all of these problems. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. I'm not delusional with it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I realize if I'd made some clothing out of carpet, it wouldn't have solved the problem for the rest of the world. But (laughs) It's It's a good low because it's a learning low. All right. Enough about me. Tell me about you, Kate. What's your high for the week? Mine was around textiles. Both my high and my low, they tie in together. So Okay. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a bit of a clothes horse. I always have been. From when I was really young, I had boxes of dress-up clothes. They were all clothing that was handed down from like grandmothers or aunts or my mom. There was no going out and buying things. It was 
here's a skirt I don't want anymore. Here's your dad's Mm. tie. And I loved it. As I got older, definitely developed a bit of a fast fashion shopping problem. This is probably 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And my wardrobe expanded as a result. Now, I also really like to hang on to my clothes. I do not subscribe to trends. I'm someone that if I see something, I don't care if everybody else is not wearing it. I Mm -hmm. love it. So I keep things. If you have a bit of a fast fashion shopping problem and you accumulate things, inevitably your closet gets really big. That's true. So I had a clean out. It was overdue. Some of my clothing is 15 years old, if not older. I still have stuff from when I was really young that was handed down to me. That's a good sign. Well, it's good, but at a certain point, you can't wear it all. Someone can get a use out of it. And you're tipping over to being a hoarder perhaps 15 years in. I'm <laughs> just true. saying. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Although I'm exactly the same. I've still got skirts in my wardrobe that I could pull out that I'd bought 20 years ago. Yeah. I don't really buy clothing that much anymore. It's just something that shifted about seven years ago, really shifted because I went into studying all about sustainable fashion. But my closet needed a clean out. So the high was I was very proud of the fact that most of my clothing was incredibly old. And I naturally (laughs) adopted the practice of shopping my own closet. It felt very good to know Mm -hmm. that I wasn't bringing more stuff. In fact, I was just wearing what I already had. Obviously, the low of that, a bit of it had to go. And because I know the numbers on the thrift industry, textile recycling, and knowing that a lot of it gets shipped overseas and that what is actually sold in stores, I think it's only around 20% of clothing donated is sold in their retail space. Um, It's a sad. I didn't know know that. Yeah, it's a sad state of affairs. And actually, if thrift stores are receiving more clothes, more textiles than they can sell, it's a volume issue. And so, of course, what ends up happening, either it's incinerated, it's shipped overseas for someone else to deal with, it's thrown in dumps, landfills, which adds to the release of methane. Fashion is a massive Mm. problem. It was a learning low I felt good knowing that I had really worn my closet over the last 15, 20 years. But at the same time, it felt really sad knowing that a lot of this clothing wasn't going to yeah. do good in the world beyond. Well, I'm glad that we're doing a episode in season two on fashion because I didn't know that. That just blows my mind that they get incinerated. And this is why the Guilty Greenie is so good because I'm thinking I'm doing the right thing by putting my clothes in a donation bag and then donating them and giving them a second life. But it sounds like I'm just sending them off to the bonfire. It's such an interesting topic. Um, Right, season two. This is our last episode of season one. We'll be coming back with season two in a couple months. Mm -hmm. And we are taking off the safety bumpers and we're going to dive into (laughs) some controversial topics. Do you want to tell them what some of these topics are? Right, so season two, we're looking at some kind of juicy topics, I guess. We're going to talk about sex, which I'm completely nervous about. I feel like there better not be a challenge for that one. (laughs) Um, And then we're talking about children and the impact of living with children and plastics and toys and yada, yada. That's been one of our most requested topics to discuss. There's two parts of it. One, the conversation around either choosing to or choosing not to have children when looking at climate change and kind of the societal and psychological pressures. Mm -hmm. But then the second part of that is when you do have children, the consumer waste. So as you had mentioned, all the toys and part of that is looking at personal consumption habits, but part of that is also looking at how to have the conversation with family and friends Mm -hmm. to make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. And then we're looking also at alcohol, sustainable alcohol types. That one's going to be a video one. (laughs) That's bound to go off the rails, that one then. And also, I've always wanted to know a little bit about eating bugs, the protein. Mm. That's going to be interesting. And of course, we're both massive pet fans. So we're going to be doing an episode on pets. But that's just the tip of the iceberg or the melting Arctic. So that's season two, but obviously season two needs to happen if we can 
make sure that season one is shared and people that are interested in the topics. So please do share because that helps with discovery. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share on Instagram or rate and review. That's my little plug. Yeah. And we appreciate everybody who's tuned in for season one. We've appreciated all of the feedback, the topic ideas, the laughter with some of you in sharing your own experiences. And we're looking forward to more of that in season two. Before we close out season one, we have two things. And the first is Sarah's last challenge of the season, which was to go around her house and to count how many things were plugged in but not in constant use and to unplug those items to see if there was a drop in energy usage and a increase in financial savings. Okay. Well, I'm going to play you the audio and then we can discuss all points after. Mm. Apparently, if you leave something plugged into the wall, even if it's turned off and still plugged in, it sucks 10% of what's called phantom electricity. So our guilty greenie challenge is to go around and count how many things are plugged in and then unplug everything that's not being used. Ava, time to report back. How many items are plugged in? (laughs) Twenty. Of that 20, how many are plugged in but not being used? Six. Wait, no, six are being used, so 14 aren't being used. Have you got in your mind who's the guiltiest in the house? I think that dad is the guiltiest because you always have heaters on in your office and you always have your computer plugged in. Is your monitor plugged in right now? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And his exercise yeah. bike. Like, and you have like loads of random cords that are always plugged in around your office. <laughs> I, have to um, I have to work. I need to stay warm and yeah. I need to stay. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that is you are the worst, okay. in my opinion. The one thing that I did notice was from the weekend to today, one item had spiked the house. Was it Dad's bike? No. But I only use the heater. But there's space heaters. They're so inefficient. I said that. I said that he was the most guilty because of his heaters. Don't put me in the back of the garden then. Let me in the house. You're not allowed in the house. Does that give you a full kind of picture of how it went? Aviana, man, she was not happy. I know. I was just really pleased she didn't target me. It's like head down, head down. I'd gone around and unplugged everything of mine first before I made her do that count, to be <laughs> that fair. That is cheating. That, that's, <laughs> that's self-preservation, I think you'll find. <laughs> she was very determined. Yeah, well, I mean, the excitement to be able to place blame on someone was probably just too much for her. Yeah, I suppose you don't generally get a free pass to place blame on your parents very often, do you? <laughs> no, to throw your dad under the bus or under the exocycle. <laughs> and when Gary said, let me in the house... Stop keeping me in the garden. I forgot that you have a shed. I've told you I've had a shed, but do I? I might not. I might just keep him in the back garden. Do you just wheel him out for these challenges (laughs) and walk him back in? Oh, my gosh. So what was the energy spike, though? The energy spike is in the office. It's not on central heating. It's a separate building out the back and it's really uninsulated and it's not facing the sun. So it's super cold, really damp. We really treat him like a king. And (laughs) (laughs) he, he has to heat it with space heaters. And I've said to him before, I said, I think they are really inefficient, but it was the one thing that I could really noticed. So over the weekend, I've got my little power meter and the spike in numbers was quite dramatic on Monday. I was like, what's going on there? And then I went, he's in the office and those heaters are on and that's what it is because then he turned it off at a certain time and it plummeted down again. So yeah, Mm. it was quite interesting. Aside from the space heater, did you end up unplugging anything else and seeing if that made a difference at all? In the kitchen, we've got four plugs and everything's got something in it. Smoothie maker, toaster, coffee, milk mm-hmm. frother, coffee machine, whatever. And I went through and I unplugged those. And then I would come back after breakfast and every single one was plugged back in again. It was really hard to get. Um, An I had, accurate reading. Exactly. Yeah. I had plug fairies, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and every now and then I'd hear a groan when someone went down to the kitchen, particularly Josh, as he'd go to put the smoothie maker on and curse me very loudly because it was unplugged <laughs> again. So I'm assuming not sticking with that one then. 
Definitely, I will be more conscious of it. And everybody's taken on board that they shouldn't leave their charges in. Mm. We all have charges that were in our room just constantly plugged in. Yeah. That's a change. There's definitely takeaways from it, but it won't be something that's going to be like dramatic, I don't think, until we sort out Gareth's heating system at the back. Well, now it is Sarah's turn to give me a challenge. Uh huh. This is sweet revenge dish. <laughs> Best served cold. I thought about this long and hard. And like you say, you're already starting 10 years ahead of me. But the one thing that I want to know is what your carbon footprint is. Because one episode, the flight episode, in fact, that a long haul flight was 11% of a Westerner's annual footprint as I screw up those numbers entirely. (laughs) That was spot on. Yeah. 11% or it's the equivalent of someone who lives in Ghana, their entire annual carbon footprint. Right. So what I want you to do, and this is your challenge, is to work out your annual carbon footprint by extrapolating out a week. Okay. And then once you've done that first week, I want you to then spend the next week halving it. Well, which is fine if you're carbon neutral. Half a zero, zero. I am not carbon neutral. (laughs) Having it. This is going to be... A challenge? Yeah. (laughs) This is going to be an interesting challenge. What's going through your head at the moment? So what's going through my head at the moment is I don't drive. I know. I don't really go out. I'm I'm like trying to figure out... But I think I know, and I think it's going to bring up an interesting conversation because what I think most people would see or think about, such as cutting down your driving or food waste, things like that, are going to be very different for me. And I think it's going to be more focused on energy usage. I think so too. And I think that was why I thought I'm going to make it hard because you need to stretch yourself as well because you are already in a space that has made all of the changes that I've only just made. So I thought how much harder can it be? And it would be interesting to find out. Tell me, do you know how you're going to work out your carbon footprint for the week? Yes. Well, because we know this is not a math show, I won't be sitting here doing arithmetic. Mm -hmm. There Mm -hmm. are carbon footprint calculators online. The one I will probably use is Mm nature.org. They have a carbon footprint calculator. Now, a couple things on that. A carbon (laughs) footprint calculator tends to be based off of three different types of inputs. One is consumption. That includes food, textiles, uh, anything you're bringing into your home. The second is transportation. And the third is energy usage. Now, every calculator is going to differ. Mm. But Mm -hmm. those are generally the three loose topics that they will drill down into. So for instance, nature.org, you can put in how many miles per gallon does your car get? Is it using gasoline or is it using diesel? How many miles or kilometers are you driving? How many people live in your home? It asks you how much you spend on electricity every year. I do want to add this little history into it, though. I am happy to calculate my carbon footprint, but I want to make sure people know the history of the carbon calculator. Tell me. What do I need to know? I don't know where you're going with this. It's all news to me. You know how we talk about greenwashing, right? Yeah. The carbon footprint calculator was a marketing tool. Oh, for Sight. Are you joking? No. It came out in 2004. It came from British Petroleum BP from a public relations company called Ogilvy & Mather. Now, the carbon calculator was based off of, I believe it was in the 1990s, there was a Canadian ecologist who came up with the ecological footprint. So your ecological footprint was essentially the environmental impact, how much land was used to or required to sustain an activity. BP saw this and thought, we don't want people looking at us as if we are the problem. We are going to put it out there so people can take responsibility for it. So BP in 2004, along with Ogilvy and Mather, essentially put out one of the biggest examples of shifted responsibility. Oh my God. I can't believe this. I don't know what to believe anymore. Here's the thing. I actually don't 
think there's anything inherently bad with calculating your carbon footprint because you can see where you stand on average. We know that higher income families have a much higher carbon footprint than those with a lower income. And this came out from PBS that households who were making $30,000 a year made up around 25, 26% of the population, but were responsible Mm -hmm. for just under 20 uh, percent of the carbon footprint. Right. Compare that to households which were bringing in $100,000. They accounted for 22% of the population, but were responsible for nearly 33% of total carbon mm. footprint. So okay. the more income tends to be a higher carbon footprint. So mm-hmm. I don't actually think it's a bad thing to see where you sit compared to other people and see where you can make adjustments in your own life. Mm. So long as you go into it understanding that this tool was literally created so that the BP, but others, could Mm -hmm. shift responsibility away from themselves and put it on the consumer. And we've seen a boom in this, right, where you'll have individuals fighting amongst each other. You'll have newspaper articles going, do you know how to lower your carbon footprint? How much are you responsible for? It's Mm -hmm. not putting the narrative in context. And one of the really good examples I like to use to help people understand the shifting of responsibility is the opioid crisis. Are you Mm -hmm. familiar with the opioid crisis? Expand on it for me. So the opioid crisis, individuals who became heavily addicted to prescription opioid medications, such as Oxycontin or Percocets, things like that. It's very easy to look at the individual who became addicted and say, you should have known better. But this was prescribed medication. Yeah. The doctor gave it to them. The pharmaceutical companies, specifically Purdue Pharma, which is owned by the Sackler family, knew knew there were memorandums saying how dangerous, how addictive this substance could be, yet still continue to push it in the mass. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you can look at the individual, but at the end of the day, these companies like BP, like Purdue Pharma, knew how dangerous their product was, but in order to avoid responsibility, placed the blame on individuals through very clever marketing campaigns. Mm, um, wow. Something to scales, keep in mind. The scales are dropping from my eye. That's incredible. As a tool, mm. it's something that's born out of something not so good that we can hopefully use as a- Like a yardstick. A, that's the word I was looking for. A baseline to progress from. Yeah. I still stick to the fact that I think it's a really good way to see where you can focus your energy in terms of cutting down your own impact. It's not going to have the same impact as if BP took their own carbon calculator. Yeah. Actually, I would love that. I would love if one of these companies said, you know what, we're going to try using our own tool for the company. (laughs) They'd break it. They'd break the internet. (laughs) It's a measuring stick to aid you in your start to see where you can improve. Just don't internalize it as if you, at the end of the day, are responsible for a mess that 100 companies have created. Yeah, which we will be touching on hopefully in season two. Well, on that happy note where we blend personal challenges with corporate responsibility and hope (laughs) for the future, we do hope to see you next season. Thank you all so much for joining us for season one. It was truly our pleasure to have this conversation and inspire you to look at the world a little bit differently. Do join us next season to see if I accomplish my challenge. This is going to be a tricky one, I think. And for more of the good, (laughs) the bad, and the laughable as we tackle our own sustainability journeys exclusively on Fireside in the Climate Collab Auditorium. Stay tuned for season two. But in the meantime, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share, rate, and or leave a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. It helps others to find the podcast and gets the climate conversation flowing. Guilty Greenie is an independently made podcast, so if you'd like to support the show and continue the climate conversation, please go to buymeacoffee.com backslash Guilty Greenie. The more support, the more content for your ears. Follow us on Instagram at Guilty Greenie and on Facebook at Guilty Greenie. 
and join us in tackling the Guilty Greenie challenges, which we will be continuing even in the off season. <laughs> Make sure to share your experiences, the good, the bad, and of course, the laughable. We love to hear from you and let us know what topics you want to know more about. Until then, stay curiously green. Bye-bye. And now here's a sneak peek at some other fabulous podcasts we think you'll love. Something is creeping. Don't follow it down. 24 hours ago, I found out the person that I've been dating for the last six months is a con man. That is my sister, Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series. And that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real-life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. And all the usual suspects. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.